What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. afternoon good evening good morning wherever you're tuning in from welcome to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity i am very very pleased that you are all here with me today streaming of course from my satellite uh, studio here in san diego um switch the camera around a little bit trying to get a little bit better sound from the microphone so hopefully it's a little bit better than last week um, I'm so glad you're all here with me today. I've got a wonderful guest that I'll be bringing on in just a moment. But first, of course, uh, we have our little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. And uh, let's get started. And uh, yeah, and then I'll bring on my guest. So today's section is entitled, The Future Calls Us Forth With Our Visions. Sometimes we feel a pull in one direction or another. A certain project comes to mind and we feel drawn toward it. The vision is so compelling that we can't stop thinking about it. This is a sign that the future is calling to us. It is calling to us to fulfill a destiny. It is calling to us to walk a certain path. It calls to our soul to be who we are becoming. When the future reaches back into the past, it is sending a signal. It is providing a lighted path for us to follow. It already knows where we will end up and is guiding us there. This is not about fate, but about possibilities. Deep in our core, we know this is where we are to go. Our spirit is whispering to us to awaken, to bring our joy forward into the present. That we have a vision does not mean everything will go smoothly or that there won't be great challenges along the way. Yet when we are on the path of our spirit's calling, there is a grace about it. There is a light that surrounds it. There is a peacefulness inside of us as we tread it. Not everyone will answer the call from the future. Not everyone will fulfill their vision. Yet if more people 
at least walk the path of a vision, regardless of where theirs leads them, then everyone will realize it is okay to dream and follow a soul's calling. In creating from a vision, our example can serve as a light for others who feel drawn to their own vision. What a world we would be in if we all answered that call. Is there a vision calling you forward? Do you have a vision that you are burning to fulfill? I love this section. Um, I wrote this, I don't know how many years ago, um, but I remember I wrote it after just hearing that one concept, I didn't necessarily have all the details, but it was just this idea that when we get some kind of a vision, a dream, or, or, or something in our imagination about our future and, and where to go, that it's actually our soul calling us from the future to fulfill this vision, this dream, this, this idea. And just the idea of it sort of struck me very deeply. I felt a certain truth to it. And, and it's so interesting because since I've written this, I, I believe in this probably more than when I wrote in it, uh, when I wrote this. Because I've seen it over and over again in many different people. And, and they wouldn't necessarily phrase it the way I've phrased it here in my book. But it's the idea that just if we have a dream, if, if there's something that calls to you, whether it called to you from a young age, as a, as a teenager, as a young adult, as a mature adult, it doesn't really matter. If it's calling to you, it's calling to you. If the seed has been planted, it has been planted for a reason. You would not have the vision, the dream, the idea, if it wasn't yours to do something with. And sometimes I see people and, and it, I, I just want to kind of shake them awake because they're like, oh, I can never do that. Oh, it's just a crazy idea. Oh, I, I don't understand. Somebody else is already doing something like this. And I'm like, you're missing the point. It doesn't matter if someone else is doing something like it. It doesn't matter if if you can't see how to accomplish it, life will show us how. The universe will bring us the how. Our job is to focus on the what. And when that what drops in, and maybe it happens when you're meditating, maybe it happens when you're sleeping, maybe it happens when you're in that kind of in-between state between being asleep and being awake, that liminal state where reality feels a little bendable, and then suddenly you have this vision of something. Hmm, that's something to pay attention to. I'm sure, you know, we hear stories of people like George Lucas who had this idea for Star Wars when he was a, a kid in his bedroom and coming up with these ideas. 
did he stop and go, well, how am I going to create this fantastical universe? You know, it'll look cheesy. The special effects these days, isn't that good? No. It just, it was there in his heart. And he just kept looking for opportunity to bring that dream into reality. And how much has it enriched our lives that he has? So remember, our visions, our dreams, they're not just for us. They're for everyone. And if the universe gave you a particular dream, a particular vision, well, then there's a reason for that. And perhaps we need to pay attention to that. And perhaps there is something for us to do with that. Don't worry about the how. Focus on the what and see where it leads you. And sometimes where it leads you is not exactly what the vision is. Sometimes where it leads you is something completely different, but you never would have gotten there had you not followed the vision in the first place. I often say to people, I never would have imagined doing what I'm doing today 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where you just, if you just follow what life is calling to you, you can be amazed at where that path leads, at where that journey takes you. And sometimes it's not even about the destination. Most of the time it isn't. It's more about the journey. It's about who do you become in the process? How do you learn to trust? How do you grow? How do you embody this amazing vision that life has given you? So this week's homework, should you choose to accept it, is um, let's take a look at what are those dreams? What are those visions that you've had throughout your life? And which one do you feel still calls to you deep inside, still makes you feel that mm, I, I, this is something I really need to pursue. Don't worry about the how. Start talking to people about it. Start following it. Just, just, just the first step. Just pay attention to one step at a time. Don't worry about the big things. One step at a time and see where it leads you. All right. I hope you liked it. That is the section of my book called The Future Calls Forth calls us forth with our visions. Of course, that's from my book, Everyday Awakening, which you can find at everydayawakeningbook.com, uh, which is basically just the Amazon listing. And uh, if you're like me and you like to uh, frequent the independent bookstores, just tell them to order it. Everyday Awakening by Sam Leibowitz. Any bookstore can get it. We're in a major distributor. So I'm always big on supporting those small independent stores. All right. So now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to our show uh, best-selling author, coach, and visibility expert, Cindy Holbrook. Cindy, known as the Visibility Whiz, guides coaches, speakers, and authors, authors to thrive as they go up the ladder from being the best-kept secret to trusted and in-demand expert. 
Clients benefit from her empowering systems and strategies that empower you to step into who you are with outrageous confidence. Set and maintain boundaries with clients and personal relationships as you create visibility strategies that align with your personality and that of your clients, all while building a fun and profitable business. Cindy's been featured on Huffington Post Live, Women's Speakers Association TV, Everyday Women TV, eHarmony, Prevention, and has been a guest on numerous podcasts and radio shows, and she's the best-selling author of Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, journey from the journey from worthlessness to worthy, her story of overcoming a traumatic past and becoming a successful businesswoman. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Cindy. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. It, it's wonderful to have you here. And um, yeah, we're, we're calling this episode From Worthless to Worthy in honor of your book, because I think that's something that a lot of people can resonate with that we've all felt unworthy in some respect. We've all felt not good enough. Who am I? And and that journey from feeling that who, who am I to want this, to do this, to have this, to becoming that person who it's like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I, I not only can I do this, I deserve this. Like, that's an amazing journey, isn't it? It, it is. And over the years, I, I loved your uh, part of your book, but over the years, I have completely learned to trust my journey, even though there's times that I don't like what's happening on it. I know that it's all for my good at the end, that it's teaching me valuable lessons to move forward and share my gifts with the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, let, let's, I'm going to take our first break. When we come back, I always like to give my audience a little bit of context to what we're going to talk about for the day. So I'd like to kind of start with, you know, you know, sort of where you started off in life. How did you come to write the book? And how did you really come to focus on this area of visibility and, and helping people to um, really uh, become like an in-demand expert? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Very good. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and on KMET in Palm Springs, California, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. And we will be right back with our guest, Cindy Holbrook, in just a moment. We had a little bit of a mishap there. I'm sure uh, uh, my engineer will take care of that in a moment. Um, all right, Cindy, so let's get started. Um, you, uh, well, let's start off. Like, like wh where did you start in life? What, what, what were you <laughs> doing like when you got out of school? You know, what, what was your vision when you were a kid growing up of what you wanted to do? Oh, well. You know, to even per se, the title of my book, Overcoming Dark Family Secrets, I was not in any way raised in a leave it to beaver home. <laughs> um, there is massive abuse. So I learned at a very early age, it's what I call the lies we're led to believe. 
from having an abusive father, uh, physically, sexually, mentally, um, growing up, I knew it was like I lived in two different houses. If my dad was home, there was this set of rules, but I had a very loving, supportive mother whom I dedicated my book to. She is the reason I am who I am. She, I think in her own way, she knew that she was a victim. She knew that the life that we led as a family wasn't right. So she always encouraged me and always told me I could be whatever I wanted to be. I could do whatever I wanted to. Uh, she always told me, don't ever depend upon a man to support you, which, you know, back in the day, that's what women did. So she really tried to constantly told me positive stories. She would read like Wayne Dyer to me, you know, just mm, always trying wow. to always trying to uplift me, um, which really, you know, instilled, let's say, you know, the, the part of me that maybe believed in myself. However, from learning that I had to be a certain way and I had to act a certain way to please other people around me, I really didn't think or realize 100% that I had a choice in my life. Mm -hmm. So I led my life based on what other people, what I thought other people wanted me to be or what they, who they told me to be. So right after high school, I got married to my first husband at the age of 18, who was a lot like my father minus the sexual abuse. So I went from just controlling to more controlling. <laughs> and, uh, and just, you know, there was a lot of abuse. And uh, it's very interesting to me, I look back, and some of the things that my ex-husband did to our children, I'm appalled at. And it took a while for me to forgive myself for that because I wasn't in a place to realize that what was happening was wrong because to me, it was still normal. It was just a normal life. That I'm curious because abuse and dysfunctional families are so common. Did you know anyone else when you were a kid who was kind of going through the same thing? Or was every at that time, like everyone kept it so tight and so secretive that that no, like, it, it's kind of like people knew there were things going on, but nobody talked about it or? You know, I'm not 100% for sure. I will say that now I'm 63. So I was born in 1959. In the 60s, nobody but nobody talked about anything. Right. And the very first national child abuse law mm -hmm. you know when that took place no 1974 wow so there wasn't even child a national child abuse law when wow. i was growing up wow. so it it i just believed i know i believed that what was happening in my house was normal and it happened in everybody's household but nobody never talked about it um my brother got the worst of the beatings and I found his best friend when from when they were younger on Facebook and him and I have spoken a lot. And uh, my brother had led a very tragic life. But um, but he he said he realized back then how hard and how mean and how bad my father was towards my brother. Mm -hmm. So obviously some people noticed it, but nobody talked about he was a kid himself. You know, right. but he he could see the difference in his family versus our family. Right. Um, and he said he always felt and he always prayed for my brother because of so much that happened in mm. there. Um, so it's hard. Now, I would hope today, it's one of the reasons why I decided to write my book, is I hope today that people realize that they will tell. 
my daughter was one of my editors of my book and she said oh, mom really? it's so sad how many people you reached out to and how many people um didn't have your back how many people just mm. did not support you as you were growing up with things that happened so uh and i think that part of it was the times yeah so so what brought you to write the book i mean most people don't look forward you know don't decide yeah. to write a book about you know their dark family secrets mm -hmm. you know that's a lot to to sort of just to write it relive it go through it again what was it that made you say, like, I have to write a book about this? And, you know, I was pretty quiet about my life. I mean, there's people that knew about my life, like one-on-one -on -one that I had spoken to. I was at an, a Bill Barron event, The Big Shift, in 2016. Mm -hmm. And on the last day of the event, he cleared all the tables out of the room and all the chairs, and he had everybody line up on one side. Uh, the attendance was close to 900. He said, mm -hmm. if I make a statement um and it's true for you take a step forward if it's not true stay where you are and so naturally the point of this is like we've all experienced crap in our life right nobody mm -hmm. stayed on the wall by the end of the uh session but in the middle of it i started sobbing this gentleman uh, his name was eric is eric and he's about seven foot tall came up to me and said can i hug you and then i completely lost it i you know i just could not stop sobbing and he sort of became my security blanket at the end when bill baron said hey does anybody want to share we were in the back and i sort of nudged eric and said i want to speak and so he raised his hand i never would have been seen him being <laughs> so tall he was seen so bill baron called on him and he went up on stage with me because he was my security blanket mm. um because i was just a basket case and I started out by saying, it dawned on me, I've been playing small in my business because I was afraid of big, strong men. And the audience started laughing. And I said, you know, I said, if, um, and then I said, when Eric came and asked me if he could hug me, something inside of me broke. Well, I do realize something inside of me healed now, but I did say mm. broke. And I said, you see, I was sexually, physically, mentally abused by my father growing up. I was also sexually abused by two family friends. At age 18, I got married to my uh, to my first husband, a man much like my father, minus the sexual abuse. And around this time, a, a gentleman I had lunch with that was at my lunch table uh, felt inspired to get up and give me a hug. And, you know, whenever you feel inspired to do something, I tell everybody, you need to do it because there's a reason. And so he got up and he hugged me. And within 30 seconds, there were like 70 men surrounding me with pure, unconditional love. Mm. This was a huge healing moment for me. And had I thought for a second, because I had never shared my story publicly. And even though I didn't go into detail, I just shared like with 900 people what had happened, right? So afterwards everybody men and women alike came up to me and said oh my god your story is my story you know you talking up there and having the men around you just healed my soul i your story helps me to understand my wife my mother my sister and men and women both were coming to me with all these things and it was at that moment i decided to write my book however i wasn't ready to write it and I look back at my first draft back in 2016, 
it's not what I wound up with it. Mm. If I would have put that out, it would have not had been the healing book that I wanted it to be. If you've ever read a book about abuse, 99.99% of them end when the abuse ends, but that's mm. not the end of the story. No. So not. in my book, the first section is about the abuse I endured and the lies that I, uh, was taught to believe about myself and the world around me. The second half of the book is my healing. Now, even though my healing isn't all happy because healing is not a fun thing, um, it, but I go through my healing and with each chapter of my healing uh, in the second part, I have what I call a key to worthiness. Mm. Uh, and so these are just different exercises that I did that helped me to heal that hopefully can help other people heal some aspect of their life. And I would like to say I start in the beginning of the book, whenever I talk my foreword, I state, number one, we, our logical brains, rate trauma, mm -hmm. but our bodies and our hearts don't rate it. So mm -hmm. people hear about my trauma and they're thinking, oh my God, man, you had a 10 plus trauma life, but yeah. I didn't feel traumatized as a child. I was right. used to it. Right. And whenever you're used to something, you don't realize what's going on. It's just normal for you. So, um, so it, it really wasn't like that, but something can happen to somebody, just one statement somebody says, or one thing can occur and you're, you might rate logically this trauma to be a one, but I guarantee you it's affected you, your body Absolutely. and your beliefs every bit as much as my 10 did. So don't rate trauma. Um, Years ago, in 2015, my son, he's an adult, he broke his neck and I was living with him, taking care of him. He healed 100% and it was actually the best thing that ever happened to him. Uh, lots of good things came out of that, uh, going along with trusting your journey. But he, uh, I was talking to a client and she was totally just going crazy because her five-year-old son had to be put to sleep and have dental surgery. And so as she's like really, you know, anxious, telling me about all this, she just sort of stopped that sentence. I'm so sorry. I have no right to complain whenever your son broke his neck. And I said, no, no, the two don't equate. Right. My trauma is my trauma. Me taking care of my son, naturally I'm concerned about my son. But just because in your head, your my son's injuries are worse than what's going on with your son. It doesn't mean that you're not feeling the same exact thing I'm feeling. And mine's not worse than yours. Yours isn't worse than mine. It's just stuff that we all have to deal with in life. So I'm curious, when you came out with the book, what was the reaction from your family? Most of my family is dead. Uh, the, wow. the person that I was concerned the most with was my sister. Mm -hmm. I never would have wrote my book without my sister's blessing because mm -hmm. my story is her story. I right. mean, our thoughts, everything that happened to us were so identical. It was bizarre. Wow. Uh, it's, it's bizarre to me to think, you know, just, but my sister is another woman in my life who really brought me up to believe in myself. She has always been my biggest supporter uh, from the time... I was very little and talking about like different rates of trauma. Now I love to write my entire life. When I was in six years old, I had the chicken pox and I wrote a two page story. And my mom thought it was so good for a six year old that she put it in her little brown box and saved it. In the sixth grade, I wrote a 50 page story. And my sister, I remember she was like literally waiting for me to, to finish a page so she could read it. Right. So I'm writing, she's reading, I'm writing, she's reading. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And my sister loved this book, but I, my teacher loved this book and she printed it out, put it in the school library and sent it and gave it to all the sixth graders and sent it to a publisher friend of hers. The publisher wrote me a letter telling me that I was a gifted writer and I would find success at an early age as long as I did not get discouraged. Mm. So my mom also put that little letter in her brown box. It's really sad because after she died, I lost both of these things. She had them until oh. she died and then I lost them somehow. But anyways, um, I do have the 50 page book that I had written though. And so I was always writing, I was writing poems in uh, 10th grade, I had this teacher who was a published author in a creative writing class, and he was the hardest grader, grader ever. And I am the only person that I know that ever got an A on a, on, in his class. Wow. But, so I had a lot of proof that I was a good writer. Mm. Just before I got married, I wrote a poem I was going to read to my husband at our wedding. My dad read this poem and said, you should not read this poem. If you read this poem, you're going to be a laughingstock. As a matter of fact, you should never let anybody read anything you write, because if you do, you will be a laughingstock. Hey, I didn't want to be a laughingstock. So, right, right. so 20 years later, when I divorced my first husband, I threw away five books I'd written that nobody never read. Oh, oh, wow. That one piece, whenever I said one thing, that somebody tells you can traumatize you and screw you up more than all the crap that I went through, that screwed me up a lot because it it I didn't I didn't want to be a laughing stock, so I wouldn't share my writing. Uh, all these books that I wrote and threw away, you know, just a lot that I had done in the past because I didn't feel comfortable enough. Right. And and you know, who knows, had I not believed the lie my father told me, I could have achieved success at writing at a much earlier age. All right. Wonderful. Okay. So we're gonna take our next break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about so how did you go from this person who was afraid and, and traumatized into someone who actually coaches people and becoming a visibility expert. It's kind of like almost the extreme opposite, right? <laughs> like when you're abused, you, you kind of want to hide. You don't want anyone to see you. And now you're out there kind of helping people to be seen more than anything else. So let, let, let's get into that when we come back. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome, Cindy. Thanks so much. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back with our guest, Cindy Holbrook, in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health. And each What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about help to advocate for all of us. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I just want to give a quick shout out to our listeners around the globe. So I was just taking a quick look on the back end. And we've got listeners in Argentina, Spain, Brazil, Mexico, Germany, um, uh, France, um, oh, geez, uh, uh, Vietnam, uh, Turkey. So uh, one of the joys of, of doing these shows online is really reaching people around the globe. And so I really appreciate people tuning in from all over the world. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying the show. So, so Cindy, we, we talked about, you know, basically you, you coming out with your story, kind of dealing with the trauma. When did you decide to be a coach and help other people? Um, because that's not necessarily a profession that most people take. Yeah, you know, interestingly, one of the things that I've always done is wanted to help people. Uh, when I was 35, um, I started working in social services and my boss, I call her my first coach and my first mentor. I used to always tell her, nobody could ever take the place of my mother, but you're the next best thing. This is how much I valued this woman. And her name is Carol. And so I was talking to her and she goes, Cindy, your life is your choice. I looked at her and I told her, you're crazy. Nobody on earth ever living would have ever wanted the life that I'm living right now. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. My 14-year-old daughter is getting involved in gangs. My husband is involved with another woman. I've had like eight deaths in my immediate family in the past two years. Nobody, but nobody, but nobody would choose this life, right? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she just kept on. She's like, no, your life is your choice. 
she started, she bought me Tony Robbins tapes and told me to listen to them. She told me books to read. She, uh, she began my self-improvement journey. She was my light. And, you know, everybody, you have a gift. And regardless if you're a coach or whatever, you know, I would not be here if it wasn't for her because she's the one that guided me. And she used to ask me, not that I knew what I was doing at the time, but she, she used to get me to envision my life without my husband. I was so I knew how to be the boss's wife, as I always call her. I knew how to be the boss's wife. I knew what to say, how to dress, how to act, right? I had that down pat. But it was like, who am I if I'm not Earl's wife? Because I had been trained so long to be that. And so through all this, through all of the books that she told me in her coaching, in her envision me, because Earl used to always yell at me. I'm he made like 80k and I made like 15 or 20k. And he my he used to always say he was gonna leave me and the kids penniless. And I thought my kids were used to his income. How am I gonna raise them off my income? Right. Yeah. Uh so I was terrified of that. And you know, but she would go, you know, how would you support your kids? What would you do? Where would you live? Who would fix your cars? You know, just got me to start thinking and really visualizing a life without Earl. And I didn't realize that she was doing that. But um, but it was through her love, her support, her guide, telling me, continuously telling me that my life was my choice. And it took me a while to really grasp that that, hey, I could not change the fact that Earl did not love me, but I could change how I thought about it. I could not change the fact that my father abused me, but I could rewrite it. And whenever you rewrite it, you're not rewriting it to where it never happened. You're rewriting it to where you're in power and not them. Yeah, it's it's so funny because so many times I talk to people and I kind of bring up this idea of like we create our life and they're like what are you talking about I would never create a life like this and they (laughs) they start talking from sort of the the intellectual like kind of thing and they don't get that it's it's about being a creator and not a victim and yeah we may not have any control over what happens to us but we have 100% control over how we respond and how we frame what happens to us and whether we use it to build us up or we just allow it to tear us down. Exactly. And that, that was like the beginning and, you know, it took years Um, uh, talking, like I knew nothing about the law of attraction back then. Um, And it's very interesting. Really, I didn't even hear that term Mm. um, to where I grasped it consciously until the secret came out but then i realized all the brian tracy tapes that i'd been listening to for years he mentions the law of attraction so i thought that was funny because (laughs) but but during my hell years as i call them i used to always tell my best friend about my perfect man Hmm. and it was never about looks or anything like that it was all about traits it was he was fun he was smart he liked to joke he didn't see black and white my ex-husband only seen black and white and i really liked the broad to me the world is gray it's not black and white and so i had all these things you know about my perfect man but he sort of kept me sane as i was going through everything just imagining and visualizing this six months after i got the courage to leave my ex-husband i met my current husband He has every single trait that I had talked about for years. So I was very blessed in that I manifested my husband who also helped me to heal. 
He's mm -hmm. very sweet. He's very gentle. He's the complete opposite of my first husband, which is again something a lot of people usually you wind up with the same person, just a different face. In right. But because I was used to being so abused, but I, I had done so much healing with what my mentor gave me and just talking about my perfect man all the time, I manifested my husband. Um, he really helped me to realize some of the lies that I still believed about who I was and who my family was, um, just by gently pointing little facts out to me. And mm -hmm. Uh, just definitely always supported me. One of the biggest things, this is why I married, the, it's not, it tells you what type of a man my husband is. We went to the park and we had stopped at a, a fast food place and got some 32 ounce sodas before we went to the park. And we were just mm -hmm. talking because my son had the whole football team at my house and we wanted to be alone, right? So mm -hmm. we're sitting there talking and I spilled this Coke. Now, up until that time, I did not believe mental abuse existed. I thought mental abuse was the biggest bunch of hogwash anybody ever could come up with. So I spilled my Coke all over Mike's truck. Mike jumped out and he picked up some rags and he started cleaning it up because most of it was on his side. And I curled up into a little ball on the passenger side and started rocking and chanting, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he said, he looked at me with the most confused look I've ever seen in my life and said, baby, you have nothing to be sorry for. And I started sobbing because mm. I wasn't used to being treated nice. I wasn't used to mm. being treated with respect. Had he called me names, not so nice names, and had told me I was clumsy and started screaming and yelling, I could have handled that because that's what I had been used to from my right. father and my ex. But I was not used to being treated nice. He sat in that wet, sticky seat for three hours and held me while I cried and cried and cried and really let go of so much that had wow. happened to me in my past. Um, and I always sort of tease, that's why I married him. Yeah, he's a <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a keeper to me. Definitely sounds like a keeper. And so, but, you know, he helped me grow too. And he always supports me. Like he has not and will not read my book. He knows about my past, mm -hmm. but he doesn't want, he thinks this could be too hard for him. Like uh, my daughter said it was hard for her and she knew everything that had happened. Yeah. Um, so, but he, you know, again, helped me. So he supported me. As I said, I worked in social services. I liked helping people. Mm -hmm. And also, I always say I was a born entrepreneur. I always mm -hmm. wanted my own business. I always wanted the freedom that came with that and the freedom to have what I wanted. So much so that when I was 10 years old, I used to like to go to this park. Next to the park was the Los Angeles Riverbed. And the other side was a golf course. Well, I didn't have money to spend at the park to go swimming, to buy ice cream, to play the games they had. I didn't have mm -hmm. it. So I would go to the inside the riverbed, so dangerous, and, and, collect <laughs> the, and collect the golf balls, take them home, wash them, then take them and sell them to the golfers so I'd have money to spend at wow. the park. Wow. I did that at 10 years old. So obviously, I've always had this entrepreneurial so, mind. So we don't have a lot of time left. So I'm just yeah. curious, um, what made you decide to focus on visibility as your specialty? Um, at first, I was a divorce coach. And okay. I lived in, I started coaching in 2009 as a divorce coach. And what happened was I had had other online businesses that I knew a lot about the online world. So I had to mm -hmm. utilize all those strategies to get visible, to get seen, to get known. And what happened was uh, within two years, I was able to take an early retirement from social services and take my business full time. 
and I started going to events and people would ask me, how did you get on eHarmony? How did you get on Huffington Post? How did you get on prevention? Can you show me how? So I morphed into being the visibility whiz based on what I was doing with my divorce coaching. I have been the visibility whiz since 2017 straight. In 2017, I left the divorce coaching and concentrated on being the visibility with. And, and, um, and how long had you been a divorce coach before you focused on visibility? Um, long time, 2009 to, to 2017. Um, so about eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So it's really, you just kind of shifted with what people said they wanted to learn from you, like what was important to them. And you were like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. So. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Very like I cool. said, I, I've been playing with online businesses since 1998. So oh, wow. I had a lot of experience that helped me even be successful as a coach because I understood the online world. Right, and right. I do it without advertising. Ah. Okay. Now I, I, I have a client, I had a client, Karen, when she came to me, she had been a coach for six months. She had spent $8,000 on Facebook ads. She had 600 people on her list and zero clients. Mm. Within three months, the first thing I had her do is stop the Facebook ads. Right. With, within three months, without any ads, she had added 2,000 people to her list and had three high-end paying clients with the lowest being 5,000. Wow, wonderful. wonderful. So she, yeah, so that's the power of being visible to get your leads and clients versus paying thousands of money dollars for advertising. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take our last break of the show. And when we come back, maybe you can give some tips to our audience who, you know, let's say they're doing something. What can they do to be a little more visible? And and maybe like maybe even some tips around sort of the psychology of being visible. You know, when you have things like maybe you don't want to be so visible about. You know what I mean? Yes. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back with our guest, Cindy Holbrook, in just a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. I was just checking the Facebook Live and I see a couple of our loyal listeners, Sanaya checking in and uh, Patty. Patty says, Cindy, I'm captivated by your story. I can't wait to get your book. You're such a strong person. Oh, thank um, you. I see you, you're, you're touching my, my loyal listeners, my audience today, Cindy. So that's wonderful. So um, let's say somebody has some kind of business. Maybe they're a coach. Maybe they're some kind of uh, expert or or what have you. And and they they're dealing with these feelings of, you know, do I deserve to have success or like, oh, you, you know, do, you know, I, I don't want to be too visible because uh, uh, that will, um, you know, reveal things about me. I don't want revealed. How do you help people to kind of just overcome sort of the mental blocks of visibility? And then maybe you can give us just a couple little tips of practical things that people could do to be more visible. Uh, and that's again one thing why I love visible because people play the I want to be seen. Can you see me? Here I am, <laughs> right? Uh, because we we're hiding all these things, regardless what it is. Maybe you're having a bad hair day. Maybe you just had an argument with your significant other. Maybe you just yelled at your kid. You know, it's or things from the past are creeping up. Uh, the little gremlins, the lies that you were led to believe based on the past. So you're not fully showing up. And there's a lot of things that we will not do. Vis being visible, you know, it's an energetic thing and people can see you. And if you're trying to hide something while you're visible on camera, or even if you're not on camera, um, there's an energy where somebody's like, something's off about that person. I don't know quite what it is. So I like helping people step into what I call outrageous confidence. Outrageous mm -hmm. is something bold, startling, and different. Confidence is a state of being. It's a choice. It's nothing more. You're never going to achieve, quote unquote, confidence. But with any given task, I'm confident that I can go in my kitchen and wash a dish. I'm confident that I can get dressed in the morning, right? These are just things I'm confident that I can do whatever I'm doing to the best of my ability. So when you use things that you might not ordinarily do, a long time ago, I went to an event and this lady told me that my sweater made me look fat and frumpy. No person wants to be told they look fat and frumpy. <laughs> and so I didn't wear this sweater for years. And then one day it was cold outside and I had some errands to run. And I went to like three or four different stores at each store. Somebody stopped me and told me how beautiful the sweater was and how beautiful I was in the sweater. Mm. And at that point I thought, why am I, listening to one person. We listen to one person, be it the gremlins in our head, uh, our father, our teachers, our siblings, something like this, and it gets into our head. So that outrageous comes into you doing something bold, startling, and different for you. Sam might not think it's bold. I might not think it's bold, but it's bold for you because it's something you've never done before. Right. So what I did was I went home, I had my husband take a full length picture of me in this sweater and I sent it to my entire email list. Wow. 
That was an outrageous confidence moment. Um, last year in 2022, I was very ill with COVID. I was in the hospital for over a month. And whenever I got home, I started losing my hair. I lost 95% of my hair. I did not. I This really just, I did not want to be on camera. I bought a wig, but I still didn't feel comfortable in the wig. I hated it. So I was always starting out with, hey, you know, I'm wearing a wig. But what did I do that was bold and startling? I took pictures of my bald head and I posted them on Facebook. <laughs> so when wow. you do something like this, what was the response to those pictures? I'm curious. It was very good. A lot of people told me I was beautiful even without hair. You know, <laughs> a lot of people like I'm, you know, I had a lot of people following me because I was sort of sharing my whole COVID journey back then. Mm. Uh, so uh, I started while I was in ICU, just like sharing my journey on Facebook. And I got a lot of people following it. Um, uh, I'm sure a lot of stuff I wrote was crazy. My daughter said I sent her crazy texts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that but, COVID brain make you do. But it doesn't things. have to be something huge. Right, Every single right. time you do something small that scares you, me mm. sending a picture of my sweater, me posting a picture of my bald head, that makes you feel more loved and supported. You're always going to have the haters, mm -hmm. and the haters are just haters. You're not put on this earth to serve the haters. Right. There's a certain subset of people that you was born to serve. And if you don't step up and serve, you're denying those people what they could receive from you. Mm. Don't worry about the haters. You're always going to have the haters, but the haters are there based on their own insecurities and their own beliefs. So with visibility, I really think it's just being you. You don't try to be like somebody else. Just be who you are. Uh, whenever you're on camera, put a picture of your best friend behind the camera and act like you're talking to your best friend and just right. be you. It's yeah. so simple and so hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> isn't it though? You know, and sometimes it's the simplest things are the most profound things that we can do. So, so I'm hearing you say authenticity. Yes. Um, uh, and also uh, the thing around confidence you were talking about before kind of reminded me a very valuable lesson I learned from our mutual friend, Aman, that there are multiple kinds of confidences. You're not just a confident person or a non-confident person, right. you can be confident about different things, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you may not be confident about one thing, but you're confident about other things. So it's about developing the confidence that you already have, but just moving it into different areas. Exactly. And so often, especially with visibility, we're always thinking, what are other going to people think? I don't know who said this quote, um, but it it's uh, you, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. Yes, and whenever yeah, yeah. you can get to that point, it really helps. Now, my favorite quote in the entire world is by Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel inferior without your permission. Right. I love this quote because you can replace that word inferior with literally any emotion. No one can make you feel loved without your permission. No one can make you feel hated without your permission. No one can make you feel respected without your permission. 
And you can go on and on and on with literally any emotion there is and replace that word inferior without that word, which goes back even to the beginning. My life is my choice. Your life is your choice. And so when you start reframing, you know, your thoughts and no, like, don't say, oh, John made me angry because John did not make you angry because no one can make you feel angry without your permission. So why are you giving permission to people that are there to bring you down and make you feel miserable? Give yourself the power by saying, hey, it's my responsibility. I choose to be happy. Um, When I had COVID, I chose, my doctor said I lived because I was positive, literally. Um, They said people came in half as sick as me and died. Uh, I was on 100% oxygen for two weeks. um, And I was very ill. Okay. But from the second I got put in there, I decided that I was going to be grateful. I had my husband bring me a rose quartz crystal. I hung it on the doctor's board when I was having a hard time breathing or wanted to meditate. I focused on the crystal, but I thanked the, just the simple gratitude. I thanked each and every person that came into that room. The head phlebotomist wouldn't let nobody else take my blood because he wasn't used to being thinking, being thanked, right? <laughs> now, you know, and I listened to uh, positive stuff. I hardly had my TV on at all. I was always listening to sound bowls or, mm. um, or Wayne Dyer or Tony Robbins. I always had something positive on my phone that I was listening to. Mm. Two days before I got out of uh, the ICU, <laughs> Um, a new nurse's aide came in the room. She just sort of stopped and looked around. She goes, God, there's so much positive energy in here. And I said, yes, I create (laughs) positive energy in an ICU room. And it really is that powerful. Your thoughts, what you're telling yourself. Um, Had I just laid there and thought, hey, you know, no, very few people come out. I mean, they prepared my family for me to die. I was bad. And so I'm like, I could have just succumbed to that. But instead, I chose I constantly told myself, my body's healing myself, Uh, my body knows how to heal myself. And I trust my journey, whatever, for whatever reason, this is my journey right now, going along with what you were talking about. I had no idea what but COVID gave me a lot of clarity about where I want to go in the future and who I want to be. Wonderful. Um, We're going to have to leave it there, Cindy. We've yes. got a minute left. I want to make sure you have time. I think you have a gift for our audience. If people want to learn more about you, how do they find you online? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, my website is cindyjholbrook.com. Um, I have a, a, it's called Five Keys to Feel Worthy of Success. There's lots of exercises in there for you to do to start feeling worthy. These are exercises that I did myself. Um, so you can go to cindyjholbrook.com forward slash five keys, K-E-Y-S, and uh, get the book. And don't just read it, actually do these exercises. Just the act of doing these exercises are going to help you feel worthier and see your own strengths and your own gifts and help you shine and be the light to the world that you're meant to be. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day uh, to come on my show. I know you had to uh, arrange something to be here. So thank you so much for taking time. 
Thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in today, as always. And of course, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch the replay on talkradio.nyc. And we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. You can find the podcast on YouTube, the video on YouTube. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.